0: I have one last diva quiz question for you. Composer Judith Weir said this about which soprano diva. She wasn't going to let anyone stop her. Find out who she was talking about in today's episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast.
1: The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org.
0: composer Judith Weir was speaking about the indomitable soprano Jesse Norman. By turns regal and opulent, rich and astounding, the operatic diva has the ability to move you with performances that you will remember for the rest of your life. I'm your host, Dr. Naomi Baratera, and in the final episode of our four-part series, we're joined by lecturer Ira Sif as he discusses the lives and careers of the great divas Krista Ludwig, Aprile Milo, Krasmira Stoyanova, Teresa Stratus, and of course, Jesse Norman.
2: Welcome to Great Divas I Have Seen, Part 4. I'm Ira Sif, commentator of the Metropolitan Opera broadcasts. Krista Ludwig is one of the very great artists from the post-war years to the turn of the century. Her career encompasses mezzo roles, some soprano roles, concert, oratorio, and recital. She sang and recorded Mozart, Richard Strauss, Wagner, Bellini, Beethoven, Bartok, Verdi, Puccini, and so much more. She was both a great Octavian and a great Marshal in Rosenkavalier, a great Leonora in Fidelio. Ludwig made her... uh, debut in 1946 at the age of 18 as Orlovsky in De Fledemaus at Frankfurt, where she sang until 1952. She joined the Vienna State Opera in 1955, where she became one of its principal artists and was appointed Kamesängerin in 1962 and performed with the company for more than 30 years. In 1954, Ludwig made her debut at the Salzburg Festival, as Cherubino in Le Nozze di Figaro, she made her debut at Bayreuth as Branghena in Tristan e Isolde in 1966. Her American debut at the Lyric Opera of Chicago in '59. That same year, she made her debut at the Met, and subsequently sang hundred twenty-one performances of fifteen different roles with the company until 1993. At the Met, where she quickly became one of the audience's favorites, her repertoire included the Dyer's Wife in the Met's first performances of Strauss's *Die Frau ohne Schatten*. As Ludwig's voice matured, she expanded her repertoire from lyric and spinto mezzo roles to dramatic roles. She also ventured into uh, dramatic soprano repertoire with performances of Verdi's *Lady Macbeth*. The Met's 1966 production of Strauss's *Die Frau ohne Schatten* was a tour de force performance for Ludwig, in a cast that boasted Leonie Riesenick's radiant, searing Empress, James King's heroically sung Emperor, Irene Dallas's brilliant Amma, and Walter Berry's heartbreaking Barak. Ludwig managed to stand out. One of the high points of the performance was the opening of Act Three a duet for Barak and his wife, sung here by Ludwig and her then-husband, Walter Berry. The plot of Frau is far too long and complicated to go into today, but for those of you who don't know Frau, it's a tremendous musical and spiritual experience. In short, the humble fabric dyer Barak craves children, but his wife is fearful of the idea and shuns him, refusing to share his bed the empress of a mythical empire in the southeastern islands is unable to bear children. And the ama, her nurse, her servant, takes the empress to earth where they attempt to bribe the dyer's wife into selling her shadow, the symbol of fertility, so the empress may bear a child and save her husband. He will be turned to stone if she doesn't have a child. The dyer's wife almost gives in and accepts the bribe, but ultimately doesn't. Barak, not a violent man, loses his restraint and nearly becomes violent toward his wife when the god Kaikobad, the father of the empress, intervenes and the couple are swallowed up into the bowels of the earth. And that's where our duet from Act B- Act 3 begins. Both feel remorse and Strauss has them pour their hearts out in the most magnificent music. But also, while lyric and ravishing for the Dyer, its soaring lines are a tremendous challenge for the Dyer's wife, particularly if it's sung by a mezzo like Ludwig. This is a live performance recording of Ludwig and Berry in 1964 at the Salzburg Festival, conducted by Herbert von Karajan. Aprile Milo was the Verdi soprano for a thrilling decade at the Met from her surprise debut in 1984 going on as a cover on no notice in Simon Boccanegra. This was a true Verdi voice, Italianate in style, with the flexibility and dynamic control for the very tricky early Verdi writing for soprano and the grand sweep of his more mature works. Milo balanced the difficult sustaining of Verdi's lines, demanding pure legato, uh, something she once told me was akin to ballet dancing on point, with total commitment and belief in what she was singing. That quality carried over into her subsequent roles in the Verismo period in which she also excelled. I've had the pleasure of working with Milo as a stage director and knowing her as a friend, and her humanity and wonderful sense of humor are all evident and embodied in her artistry on the opera stage and in recital. We're going to hear two aspects of her work. First, an aria from I Lombardi in 1986, when she performed the role of Giselda in concert at Carnegie Hall and then the Academy of Music in Philadelphia, opposite Carlo Bergonzi and Paul Plischka. With the Opera Orchestra of New York under Maestro Eve Queller. Then we'll hear her ravishing Signoria Ascolta from Puccini's Turandot from a 1988 Met performance under Nello Santi, one of the Met's brightest stars, Aprile Milo. I've been very fortunate to have had the experience and the opportunity to see a number of great singing actresses during my opera-going time, Maria Callas, Renata Scotto, Leonie Riznik, Anya Celia, and Teresa Stratus, to name but a few whose work has remained in the forefront of my memory. Stratus was something quite extraordinary. She had the gift of communicating deep humanity a reflection of her selflessness, which extended during the 1980s to work with Mother Teresa and care for sick and dying orphans. Stratus's voice had a shimmering vibrato which lent a sense of urgency to everything she sang. Her versatility was enormous, ranging from Majenka in The Bartered Bride, to Zalame, to Liu, Violetta, Neda, to Jenny and Mahagoni, her Angelica was a shattering emotional experience for the audience, as was her final great role, Marie Antoinette, in John Corigliano's Ghosts of Versailles. In her great aria, Marie relives her execution, and Stratus brought all her power as a singing actress to this moment, as well as a still stunning, flexible voice at 53. We'll hear the aria now, from the 1991 world premiere run of the opera James Levine conducts.
1: Windows to the throngs pushing, hawking souvenirs, stuffing food into cheering mouths that
2: I first saw Jessie Norman in recital several times in the mid-1970s before she made her operatic debut in New York. Norman's extraordinary vocal outpouring, organ-like in the low register, plush in the middle, and slender and spinning in the upper range made her able to traverse the mezzo and soprano field. Her regal bearing and vocal majesty combined to create a number of memorable Met outings. Among the most spectacular was her Ariadne auf Naxos under James Levine in 1988. We'll hear Jessie Norman in Ariadne's aria, Es gibt ein Reich, as she yearns for death as a beautiful, promising escape from her abandonment on Naxos. Here she's conducted by Kurt Mazur. (music) Thank <music> In 2002, Maestro Eve Queller asked me to help her with a concert version of Meyerbeer's Les Huguenots at Carnegie Hall. Eve needed someone to organize what happened on stage, and this led to a series of semi-stagings of operas I did with Eve and the Opera Orchestra of New York over the next six seasons. In the Huguenot, there was a singer new to me in the pivotal role of Valentin. During the rehearsal period, I was greatly impressed by the soprano, Krasimira Stoyanova, And by the end of the performance, she was to be added to the roster of the Met. Stoyanova became a huge star in Europe, where her career has thrived for the subsequent two decades. At the Met, Stoyanova has been somewhat underused, where younger, camera-ready artists have been given the HD transmissions and new production opportunities. But Stoyanova's artistry is on such a high level and her vocal technique so outstanding that in her upper 50s, she is still in command of an instrument capable of tackling an array of roles, the German, French and Italian repertoire. As a Verdi soprano, Stoyanova has impressed with one of the great Desdemanos of my experience a stunning Aida, which I was fortunate to catch at both the Met and at La Scala, and a sublime Verdi Requiem soprano soloist contribution. Stoyanova's Desdemona possessed just the right balance of temperament, vulnerability, and vocal allure. And in Aida, she combined power with lyricism and, of course, her ravishing pianissimo singing, ingredients that also made her Verdi Requiem remarkable. This makes sense as Verdi created Aida and the Requiem soprano part with Theresa Stolz in mind. And from the vocal writing, one feels that Stoyanova offers a similar vocal profile to the great Stolz. So we're going to close our podcast of Great Divas I Have Heard with this heavenly solo from the Verdi Requiem. Krasimir Stoyanova is heard here in 2010 under the baton of Maris Janssen's.
0: That was lecturer and audience favorite Ira Siff finishing his four-part series on the famous operatic divas that he has had the opportunity to witness singing live. To keep up to date on all things opera, make sure to follow the Metropolitan Opera, the Metropolitan Opera Guild, and Opera News on your favorite social media platforms. I'm your host, Dr. Naomi Baratera, and thank you so much for listening.